Welcome to Rise and Shine, the podcast dedicated to women in home building who are ready to rise professionally and shine personally. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am thrilled to embark on this empowering journey with you. Together, we're going to dive into the world of leadership, sales, mindset, results, and corporate climbing, all tailored to the unique experiences of women in this industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, Rise and Shine is here to provide you with actionable insights, inspiring stories, and expert advice to propel you forward in your career and illuminate your personal growth. So if you're ready to break some barriers, conquer challenges, and redefine success on your own terms, you are in the right place. It's time to rise, it's time to shine, and it all starts right here. Let's get started. I had an old coworker say to me after I left my corporate job that I left too soon because the next promotion was sure to be mine because they needed more women leaders. And that, you know, that phrase or that, that way of stating it made me in the moment feel like things I had been questioning about whether I was a diversity hire or there was value or there was perceived value in me being within the organization kind of stirred feelings inside of me. And And it made me realize that there were many instances in my career where I questioned whether my advancement or um, recruitment was to fill a checkbox versus seeing value in me. And it wasn't because I doubted my skills or abilities because I felt very confident that I had value to add, but it was in the way that I was treated that made me second guess this. And when this old coworker made that comment, kind of validated those feelings. And through the work I've been doing over the last year and a half, I found out, surprisingly, I am not alone in this. There are many women and or underrepresented people, people of color, minorities, LGBTQ folks in this industry that are questioning, am I here because I belong or am I here because I checked a box? And if we truly want to transform the housing industry, and if we want to truly transform the way that we perceive this industry in terms of opportunity for folks to enter, we need to do some work. So I'm going to say the thing, home building is predominantly run by old white men. Everybody knows it. I don't know why we don't talk about it more uh, other than in hushed tones. It's statistically evident that older white men run home building. Okay. We're getting better. Absolutely. Some organizations are far better than others because they take the initiative of DEI seriously for multiple reasons. One, because it's the right freaking thing to do. Everybody deserves an opportunity to enter this industry. It's phenomenal. And we need everybody's voice at the table when it comes to decision-making and housing in the United States, because we serve everyone, right? So There's that. There's also this concern that 40% of the workforce is set to retire in the next eight years, which means our senior leadership is about to go. Who's replacing them? And are we going to perpetuate? And are we going to hire and promote the same thing and therefore get the same results? Or are we going to shake things up? And are we going to rebuild the face of home building and what that looks like? And so maybe I'm making you a little uncomfortable. And maybe you're like, Abby, I don't like this conversation. This challenges me. This challenges my beliefs. To that, I'm going to say good. And if you don't believe me, I would encourage you to go back to your office, look at your org chart, and 
grab some photos and see what your leadership team looks like. And then take it a step further and go into each department, who's represented and who's underrepresented. And then say, where's our opportunity? Where is our opportunity to open the doors to more people into this industry? But here's the deal. It's not just as easy as saying we're going to support DEI initiatives because this is what becomes that checkbox mentality, right? Oh, we need a woman. Okay, let's go recruit back Abby because we need women leaders, right? Where we should have never let Abby leave leave in the first place because (laughs) X, Y, and Z would have been a better strategy, right? So we need to start thinking about what can we do to create these cultures that not only attract, but retain Do you hear me? Not just attract, but retain top talent that is diverse in experience, diverse in in economic status, diverse in the way that they look, like bringing something unique and different to this industry that we don't already have. So I have three tips because I'm not just about bitching, I'm about doing. So here's three tips that I want to provide for anybody that's in a decision-making capacity within an organization to affect change, as well as field staff. The last one is for anybody in the organization, what they can do differently. So number one is recruiting. So if we're going to recruit new top talent, we need to poke holes in our current recruitment strategy. So we've come a long way, and I think we do a lot better than we used to. But if I reflect back to when I went into this industry, I was recruited, um, well, I was told about this job from my cousin. So she was selling uh, she was selling homes, making lots of money. And she said that they have an internship program. So I was in college. So I entered into the internship program. And at the time they took everybody, flew them up to uh, Virginia, to the office headquarters. And we had this big retreat. I may have talked about this already on a podcast episode, but it's totally relevant here. As I walked into this room of hundreds of interns nationwide, it was like, a cult. It was like little clones of people. All of the boys were tall and athletic, and they were all sharing stories of their sports teams that they've been on. All of the girls were skinny and blonde, and I was still in an extended awkward phase with my braces and brunette hair. Actually, I don't know if I still had braces then, but it was a very long, awkward phase for Abby. And I felt so out of place so insanely out of place. In fact, I even remember texting my boyfriend, now husband, and being like, wow, like I joined a cult. This is so creepy. I feel uncomfortable here right now. Um, And so that's kind of what they got in terms of recruiting because they went to the colleges that they all went to and they wanted to, you know, hire themselves. Oh man, I was, you know, I was a athlete. And so I want to get lacrosse players or I was a football star. So I want to hire the next football star. He's going to do great in this industry. Or, you know, I was a, a, this person. And so we need girls that were whatever marketing, marketing majors. And so you, you hire yourself to self-reaffirm. So you feel good about yourself, but what you're doing is you're discluding an entire group of people, multiple groups of people. So when it comes to recruiting, I would say the two main things you need to do, um, or really three is one, if you are going to do college recruiting, which I think is huge and needs to happen because we need that younger generation to enter the workforce, enter the housing industry. Um, If you're going to go set up your booth, make sure that you have diversity in the people that are going to represent your company. If I was to go to a college recruiting event as Abby, you know, a senior in college, and I walked by a construction company, a home builder's booth, and it had all men standing there, I don't know if I'd stop. 
right? So for me, it would be nice to see a woman there. Maybe I'd be like, oh, what, what, you know, what opportunities do women have in home building? That might pique my interest. Just like if I was a person of color, maybe seeing, seeing myself represented in that booth would cause me to go over there, right? So that's one thing. Also, when it comes to college recruitment, don't just go to your old college. Go to a variety of different colleges and universities that have a variety of different experiences and backgrounds of folks that you can pull from to add value to this industry. Um, so that's recruiting. Also, LinkedIn is a free resource for you guys. So if you're sharing what your team's doing, the vibe that you're doing, people will come to you. The amount of people I would get shoot me inbox messages or call me up and say, hey, it looks like your team's having fun. How can I join? Like that's free recruiting because you're creating a culture and a vibe on social media that shows how exciting it is to work at your organization. Builders, if your employees are not posting on LinkedIn, it's for one of two reasons. One, they don't see the value in it, so you might need to educate them on that. Or two, they're not happy and nobody's going to post about their company they're not happy working at. There are times, if you go through my LinkedIn history, where I got real quiet on LinkedIn during those times is because I was unsure if this was a company I want to bring people on board to. The times I was loudest were the times where I was happiest and happy to recruit and happy to promote what we were doing and happy to have somebody call me and say, hey, I want to join the team. Heck yeah, let's go. So the way that your employees are showing up on LinkedIn and social is indicative of how they feel about working there. But also if they're uneducated, maybe an opportunity to get them some training on how that is one of your largest recruitment platforms. Two, hiring practices. So when it comes to actually interviewing folks and accepting resumes and choosing who you work with, we have severely overcomplicated this home building. The amount of pre-testing to get a job in this industry is astronomical. I can't even begin to tell you the amount of times I wanted to hire somebody, but my company's uh, little checklist of tests proved a non-fit only to then fight to get them, to get them and to them prove that they're highly successful in this industry. So I feel like we've overcomplicated some of the things because all of these testing companies are saying, I can predict with accuracy who's going to be successful in your company and not. But we're taking out this people element of understanding folks. For instance, I had one, one gentleman I really wanted to hire and he scored low on drive on his test. Meanwhile, in my interview, I found out he wakes up every day at 5 a.m. and goes to CrossFit. So I'm not really sure who's more driven than a CrossFit athlete, if I'm being completely honest. But I was like, okay, let me interview more. Let me dig. Let me discover around these questions that maybe he didn't perform well on. And <laughs> without fail, it, he had high drive and I had to prove it through additional questioning and so on and so forth. So I had to spend extra time basically proving the test wrong, if that makes sense, went on to be very successful in sales, of course, and had a history of being successful in sales. So sometimes we make it complicated. Also, when it comes to hiring, we need to remove that bias. We need to remove that that desire for sometimes to see ourselves in somebody and to say, I want to hire this person because they remind me of me. And again, that's self-affirming. So one of the things I loved was sitting in a HR training session at uh, Taylor Morrison, and they brought up this concept, which is not a new concept. I just never heard it before of finding culture ads, not culture fits. So we don't need another you. We need somebody who brings a unique and different experience. So then hiring became and interviewing became fun for me because it was like, I wanted to figure out what was their background like? What experience do they have? And how is that filling a hole on my team? I don't need another Kevin. We have a million Kevins. We need a, you know, 
Corey, we need a Sherry. We need all these different people to come and join our team that don't perpetuate me. We don't need another Abby either, right? Like we need to, to bring in new diverse experiences into that room. And so going into hiring after having that training session was totally different for me. It was totally different because I would, I mean, that was like a reality check. I would see myself and somebody be like, they're going to be great. Like I would advocate for them where then I started to switch and I started advocating the person who is almost the opposite of me. I'm like, there's something there. We need that. I need that viewpoint. I need that, that challenge and that different perspective on our team because I'm not bringing that right. They're unique in bringing that. So keeping that in mind when it comes to hiring is to find a culture, culture ad, not a culture fit. And then the third thing I want to talk about is the company culture. And this is where I think a lot of the work needs to be done is you can hire and recruit people uh, for diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and get a different group of people coming into the industry, but you're not going to keep them if they don't feel like they belong. And so this is probably one of the biggest hurdles I faced as a woman in home building. And I hear this over and over and over again for women that I coach and for people of color that I coach is that we feel like we don't belong. We feel like we have to fit in. And it's because when we do speak our mind or when we do try to advocate for ourselves and others, we get met with resistance So, or we're directly told not to push or not now, or don't make me look bad, or um, you're putting me in an awkward situation, right? We get these statements said back to us when we begin to challenge, or we get told that we're being too difficult. Um, I've been told that I'm too aggressive. Um, I doubt male counterparts are being told these things who bring up challenging concepts, but these are things that shut us down and cause us to begin to fit in and to play by the rules and cause us to consider leaving the industry. And so I coach a lot of women who are looking to rise, but all of them at some point, myself included, are like, is this even for me? And we persevere because it's our nature and because we do love something about this industry that holds us to it, but it's not without its own resistance and not everybody is going to stay and play. And so Throughout the last year and a half doing research just kind of on myself and how to like work through some of my my concerns with my work history and to kind of help my coaching clients, um, one trend that keeps coming up is this concept of masculine versus feminine energy. And I don't know if you guys have heard this, and I know this can feel kind of woo-woo, and um, but just bear with me here because this isn't about male versus female. This is just about energy. And so um, anybody can, I at times carry very heavy masculine energy because of my home building experience, but that's not my nature. So masculine energy is about being in a doing mode. It's about being very logical in mind. It's very external focused. It's very um, goal achieving, planning, planning, confidence, just that high drive type energy. And so that is a lot of how home building feels. It's very stat driven. What have you done for me lately? It's very structured. It's all of these things, which is is good in terms of running a business, but it's not necessarily great in terms of retaining talent and for motivating people. Some people are going to adhere to it and get on board and others aren't. But when you're putting strong masculine energy out there, you're going to attract strong masculine energy. And this perpetuates an industry full of masculine energy people, whether that's male or female, non-binary, whatever, you're you're just attracting that energy. Um, Where feminine energy is more about 
instead of being in a doing mode, it's about in a being mode. It's about it being intuitive, internalizing things, being receptive, empathetic, vulnerable, creativity, right? And so when we feel like we want to bring a feminine energy, when I want to show up as me authentically and I want to do something creative or I'm empathetic to my team's needs or I share vulnerably something that I'm concerned about at work and I'm met with aggression or I'm met with micromanaging or I'm met with somebody trying to create a competitive environment. I'm met with that masculine energy. I feel disconnected from the work that I'm doing. And so I see this with women a lot, right? They have this intuition. They have this unique perspective they want to bring, but their boss or their leadership team is just more about like, what have you done for me lately? What does the stats tell us? And this is why I always say, it's funny because this is basically what I'm saying is we need to marry the two. I always like to say, what's the feels and what's the reals? I feel like masculine energy is very much dealing in the real logical data where feminine energy is more dealing in the feels. And I feel like I did and tried to do a really good job as a leader to blend the two. So I want to know the reals, but I also want to know your feels and where do they align? Where can we balance those up? But I feel like what we're finding is as women are rising in this industry, and again, I'll just speak from my own personal experience, as I got out of rooms that carried more feminine energy, like being on a sales and marketing side, high feminine energy, to going into leadership, a high masculine energy, I felt like I started to lose myself. I felt like I was fighting really hard to have to fit in versus being accepted and allowing me to be me and to bring my unique perspective to the table. And so that becomes a struggle. And the same thing is going to happen if you're bringing women into these heavily male-dominated departments, right? So we need more women in purchasing. We need more women in construction. We need more women architects. We need more women this, that, that. And some of these women may do a good job balancing between the feminine masculine energy, but others are not going to. And so my encouragement is not for anybody to change who they are, but to understand that people are different and to gain a new set of skills to help promote that. And to be mindful of it, to notice, hey, my super, you know, direct approach and my super goal and oriented and because I'm competitive, that doesn't mean everybody else is competitive, right? I've managed sales teams where a contest was highly motivating and everybody got, you know, hungry and aggressive and went after it and got sales. I've also been on sales teams where collaboration and a team goal was far more motivating than that individual thing because the energy of the team was different. And so we need leaders to shift the culture and shift the energy within their culture to balance between masculine and feminine. And that will happen as more women enter the force. But we also have to allow when when anybody, male or female, brings this energy to the room that we accept it and that we allow a little bit of vulnerability and empathy. So I'm going to share an example with you. When I, probably my hardest day ever in my job, we had... um, during COVID, we had one of our employees pass away. He got COVID and within, you know, a very short amount of time he passed. And it was really, it, it was difficult. It was hard. And years ago, he was on my team. Um, but the team I was managing now was very close with him as he worked with all of them more recently than me. And my boss was kind enough to call me and tell me over the phone instead of an email. So I'm forever grateful for that. And then I said, I wanted to do the same to my team because you shouldn't get that news in an email. And he said, well, an email is going to go out soon. So you might want to get on that. So I quickly was trying to call everybody on my team 
to deliver this news while also giving them the space to feel the feels, to process whatever they needed. And so not only did I have to take this news, then I had to deliver this news to my team of 10 plus people. And then I had to hop on a call later in the day with the whole management team. So the management team was probably like, I don't know, 15 to 20 people on the call. And there was me and one other lady out of the 15 to 20 people on this call. And they're explaining what had happened. They're explaining how they're going to notify everybody and kind of protocols. You know, this is the first COVID uh, death for the organization. So it was, they were doing their best to try to handle it as best that they could. But at the end of the day, a person that we know loved and cared about passed away. And so I'm sitting on this call as we're going through the logistics, quote unquote, of this. And I just start crying because I'm a human being and because I care and because I've had countless, I'm going to cry right now because I had countless conversations with this gentleman about his beautiful children. And he had two daughters like me and because I cared and because I spent all morning listening to my employees feel their feelings and cry. And it was heavy, right? So I'm on this call and I start crying like I am now. And I turn off my camera because Women, we do this thing, and I hate it about us, where we will take our, we will take something and we'll be so fearful of making other people uncomfortable that we'll put ourselves in an uncomfortable situation. So I felt like my vulnerability would make other people uncomfortable, so I turned off my camera. But then Abby gives herself pep talks all the time. You guys know this about me. So I gave myself a pep talk, and I turned my camera back on, and I sat there, tears streaming down, boogers, the whole nine yards, while they continued to talk through the protocol. Okay, because here's the deal. I I had a human response. And just because the rest of the folks on that call had more masculine, logical energy, this is a problem we need to solve, didn't mean I wasn't in my right to feel vulnerable and to feel empathetic and to feel sad and to feel sad for his family and to feel sad for, you know, my team and just to feel sad as a human who, who, who witnessed the loss of a life in a terrible and unfortunate way. And so immediately after that call, I got a call from the HR guy on the call. Hey, Abby, do you need some support and resources? It seemed like you were more emotional than most. This is where you kind of counteract. Yes, you have services. Yes, you should offer them to people. But I highly doubt that he offered them to any of the men on that call. I highly doubt a single male on that call got the phone call I got immediately following. And to which I replied to him, I was not more emotional I was just the right amount of emotion. Somebody I knew cared about, managed, and, and you know, was a member of our team, passed away. That was the right emotion. I'll let you know if for some reason I can't cope well and I need resources. But today, today, the day where I had to tell 10 of his friends that he passed away, today, the day where I had to take that news myself and process it quickly so I could serve others, today, the day where I had to sit there where 15 of you decided how to logically address this, today is the day where I'm allowed to cry. I'm allowed to have emotions and feelings about this. And so this is that example of masculine versus feminine energy. Like they wanted to solve this problem. They wanted to to get it figured out, to do what they had to do. And not that they didn't care. I, I don't mean to sound like everybody on that call was heartless, but my empathy and my vulnerability was met with, maybe that wasn't the right thing I should have done, right? Where I questioned that and I began to fit in versus belong. And these little things happen all the time. Uh, in this industry that make people question if it's even right for them. And so if we want to change home building, if we want to recognize that there has to be a shift because there's shortage in workforce, there's 
a heavy amount of people retiring. We need to welcome in new folks into this industry. What are we going to do to keep them? So you need to change your recruiting. You need to change your hiring and you need to change your company culture because if people feel like they don't belong, they're going to move along. All right. I want you to process all of this. If you have questions, as always, reach out. But I cannot begin to tell you how passionate I am about the fact that the work that we do every day in housing is important. It's important work. And it's uh, lucrative. It's a great career path for people. We need to just open the door to more folks. And so you have a choice today. You have a choice where you can do nothing and change nothing, or you can do something. You can look at your job descriptions and maybe rewrite them. You can challenge leadership to offer more remote or flexible work opportunities to support working parents and single moms. You can challenge your hiring and interviewing process to maybe be more people-focused and to be more about finding that ad versus that culture fit. If I'm doing surveys because 10 of my managers possess these skills, and so now I want these skills on every test, you're creating culture fits. You're creating groupthink. You're not opening the doors to new and exciting opportunities. Um, And if you're letting your culture become overly masculine and overly logical and goal-oriented and driven, and you're not finding that balance to add in empathy and vulnerability and creativity into the workplace, you're going to miss opportunities. So I hope you take the challenge to do something, do something, do one thing this week to make a difference in where this industry is going. And I cannot stress enough that I am not anti-male at all. What I really hope that this does is maybe get some more male allies on the bandwagon to help initiate this much needed change, to help see these things, to ask questions, to figure out how we can create a more inclusive environment in this industry. Um, And we need the male allies support in order to do that. All right. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Rise and Shine. We hope you're leaving today's conversation feeling inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to make a meaningful impact in your career and life. Remember, your journey is unique and every step you take brings you closer to your goals. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment of empowerment and share with a friend, somebody who you think may benefit from this episode too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, insights, and even topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes episodes by connecting with us on social media or leaving a review. Your feedback helps us tailor Rise and Shine to meet your unique needs. Until next time, keep rising, keep shining, and keep making your mark in the world of home building.